0: Hello and welcome everyone to Unscripted Equity Curiosity. This is episode 17. Today's podcast features myself, Ami Joseph, Hedgeye Technology Sector Head, as as well as Andrew Friedman, Hedgeye Communication Sector Head, and Felix Wong, Hedgeye uh, Hedgeye China Sector Head. And today, as usual on our podcast, we're going to be kicking around a timely and topical subject that is unscripted, that we have not prepared in advance, but that comes off the pages of all of our research uh, on which we spend all of our days, spending you know hours and hours and hours a day just looking at uh, different companies and studying them, and we're going to try to roll that up into some ideas here. And I think the topic they're going to hit on to start off today is with this mini pullback in the NASDAQ um, that we've seen over the last few weeks, Uh, I think we're going to just talk about cyclicality for a second. And I know that our community gets a lot of cycle research from uh, the famous macro team at Hedgeye, so we're not going to be addressing it from that perspective. We're just going to be talking about um, the bit bytes, the bottom line data points that we all see in our research. Uh, so Andrew, maybe we'll start with you. If you could just tell us, just thinking across your coverage, and I think, I know you have a lot of very unique sub-sectors and you and know, things that are, we're well, early digital beneficiaries and then like lagging, like reopening beneficiaries and things like that, but we'd love to hear from your companies that you're focused on on a day-to-day basis, like where you are seeing like, oh, this is good and getting better, or this is better than feared, or this is, uh, terrible and getting worse, or this is, was good and is decelerating. Any kind of data points. And again, not about stocks, but really more about fundamentals, whether it's customer adoption or revenue or book billings or bookings or anything like that, that kind of shapes the space and drives, um, sort of a, that macro picture of like what is actually happening on the ground in the companies that we all cover.
1: Yeah, I mean it's uh interesting times um because we're coming off of the largest growth acceleration uh that we'll probably ever see um in our time. Uh you know, obviously off of a really terrible uh comparison being you know COVID and Q two last year. Um but obviously that filters through all the tickers in my space and flows through the fundamentals. Um <clears throat> and Everything that I'm seeing lately just points to a slowdown, Uh, not only in the third quarter, but it's hard to look out six months, 12 months from now and not continue to see a lot of KPIs uh, take a big hit. Um, So some of the things that we're tracking – so in in cable, it's really interesting. So one of the um, themes that we've been – Talking about coming out of our last themes communication themes call uh, in July was this idea that you know, broadband penetration rates are you know north of you know well north of ninety percent and we saw a big boost in demand uh, for home internet connectivity services uh, during and through covid and so far uh I think we hit peak growth around the first second quarter of this year and you know, we came out. Um, some several of these companies came out during conferences in August and, and September and effectively just guided down. Uh, so Altice was a short of ours, um, SAB is short since moving to the bench, that you know cracked in a really big way. Um, I'm not going to get into all the details there, but um, so in the cable space, we are seeing a little bit of a slowdown uh, in broadband net additions um on the advertising side it's a little mixed because i think digital advertising trends are going to continue to be strong all things considered q3 q4 but obviously a pretty large sequential deceleration in year year growth rate uh in the back half of the year compared to the first half of the year <clears throat> uh and you know that's flowing through um you know facebook's revenue growth line snapchat Pinterest, um and then on the, on the flip side, which is interesting and probably not all that surprising, uh, is at least in some of the data that we're tracking, um, we're starting to see a reacceleration, uh, in, uh, subscription video services, um, uh, specifically uh, Netflix. We've seen a pretty large spike, uh, in download, mobile app download activity and some of the other engagement metrics that we track, uh, in September, um, and so far through October. And that's a coming at a time where we're coming up against some easier comparison. So in many ways, it's just kind of the reversal of what we saw over the last kind of nine months. Um, and I think people were mistakenly uh, extrapolating a lot of the robust growth trends that we saw uh, into and, po- and you know, coming out of the COVID lockdowns of last year into forward estimates, which uh, Are now starting to disappoint and so multiples are re-rating so it's a it's a really you know precarious environment if you're long because now you still have these companies that you like from a secular perspective long term uh, but you know that their growth rates are going to decel and so you know uh, instead of just short everything i think you have to really you know pick your winners uh, carefully and i think it also helps to have a um it also helps to have a you know probably have some short ideas to kind of counteract uh some of your your longs in that scenario so i don't know I mean, if that answers your question i mean that's kind of what seems to be very obvious across my space and it doesn't seem like that trend is going to be reversing um anytime soon
0: that is Uh, exactly what I was looking for, uh, nailed it. Um, thank you. So just to sum up, you've seen that broadband penetration sort of peaks, net ads are going slower. Um, and then on the advertising side, um, growth is declining. Um, so those are the two negatives are net ads and net ads for, for digital penetration and also for ads going a little bit slower and then on the faster side of something like netflix what what is that i'm trying to think about that last like the ray of sunlight point and trying to put a context around it like what is driving is that netflix re-excel is that just like we're past the toughest comps and or is it is it also like acceleration on like a month of a month or three months rolling basis or something like that that means that the platform's actually winning and I don't know. Tell me, tell me like what's that? Like? Yeah, no.
1: And, and yeah. And then um, it's, it's interesting. So the kind of the probably easiest way to answer that question, simplest way is we've been very vocal, negative Netflix for a very long time. And, you know, over the course of the year, it went from all the way from our top short to bottom of the list and it's off now. So, so basically, um, it, the data, is it's more than just an easier comp. Like, we're having an easier comparison, yes, but it's more than that. At least that's what the data's suggesting. You know, um, three or four weeks here doesn't make a trend. Squid Game is clearly, appears to have been some type of catalyst, um, but it doesn't look like it was just a flash in the pan, like Money Heist was at the end of, uh, at the beginning of September, it looks like it's something more durable. And so I don't know if Netflix is, uh, reaccelerating their marketing spend where historically they've been, uh, haven't really had a great marketing organization and never quite figured out exactly how best to mon, uh, to market their service, whether to focus on pieces of content or the service as a whole. Um, and so maybe that's working. Um, you know, we know that they're reaccelerating their content spend after a six to nine month production gap. So there's a lot of different factors at play that could be resulting in a pickup here. Uh, I still think there's issues related to market kind of, you know market saturation developed in like the developed countries. However, um, the data looks strong even there as well. And estimates have come down <clears throat> over the last nine to twelve months. Um, on the subscriber side, you know, after a lot of disappointment, you know, just to kind of frame that up, you know, this time last year when we were pounding the table short Netflix, um, which, you know, point to point was, well, you know, since we covered it, it it was basically a flat stock when the market ripped higher. So that's kind of alpha. Um, and, um, you know, point to point, uh, 2021, this time last year, 2021, net paid subscriber additions calling for like 28 million 20 in this year and now they've come down to i believe 20 or sub 19. So, you know, there's just that element as well where if the data is getting better, estimates are down, um content coming back online and we have a bunch of user comparisons. It actually sounds more like a long, right? Than a short. Um so uh yeah, that's uh, I guess that's all I'll say about Netflix.
2: <laughs> hey Andrew, uh this is this is Felix. I, I just wanted to ask ask a follow up on Script Game because um, uh, is is this the first like international title that's gaining traction? Because um, in China, everybody this game, and uh, I'm sorry, this this uh, TV game. Yeah. TV, because it's illegal mm-hmm. in China, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of. Uh,
0: it's illegal really? in China. So it's illegal. I'm well, uh, not surprised.
2: <laughs> so th- there's been a lot of you know uh, web yeah. scraping, if mm-hmm. you will,
1: and um, yeah, pirating all that good stuff. Exactly. Piracy, yeah. So, 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 so yeah. So so there's a couple things. Um, first, this is not Netflix's first major international hit of a you know non-English series. So it's subtitled. Uh, Money heist um was probably their first big international series that went global. Um <clears throat> and that I believe Money Highs first came out like several several years ago and we're kind of in our we just had our um fourth iteration of that. So that that's kind of winding down. Um what is interesting about Squid Game is that it's Netflix's first big um uh, Asia based hit. so originating from South Korea, um, the company has been Netflix has made uh, significant investments in local content and in South Korea specifically in the last several years um, in order to be able to grow in those markets, which is what you need to do uh, if you want to continue to take share and grow uh, in Asia, especially, is you need to invest in local content. So, in some ways, they got lucky with Squid Game. On other ways, this is just kind of almost by design. As you continue to increase investment, you, t- you get, you know, you take more, um, you know, swings at bat, um, and then eventually you get, you know, a hit. Um, so, in that case, it's a Squid Game. So, that's, um, it's positive. I mean, it's really positive, because um, it you get that type of virality and then it goes global and then it lowers your customer acquisition costs for new subscribers and not in your underpenetrated markets. So, um, and that's showing up in the data. So it's, and it's, and it's positive. And to the extent that, you know, content can travel globally, you know, most international content, local content, non-English content, it doesn't really travel well um there's always going to be a handful of titles that do but for the most part you know um a film that's you know shot in india that's you know meant for an uh an audience there is probably not going to translate well to spain germany us but every once in a while you do get a major hit um you know this is. Ted Sarando said that this is potentially gonna be their largest non english original uh globally uh, which it does look like that's gonna be the case um and kind of surpass money Heist in terms of its um you know global audience and and overall popularity so that is the the situation
0: thank you uh Felix, now kind of turning to you a little bit, and but I just sorry Andrew. Just wanted to kind of highlight something that stuck in my stuck in my head that is going to require a lot more thinking. Was you said like you started off by saying something like we're past the largest period of acceleration, digital acceleration that we'll ever see in our lives, Um, and immediately my brain told me like flashing yellow light or red light. Hey, that's really bad application for multiples because typically acceleration in growth translates to a higher multiple. If we're never going to see that again, uh, that kind of acceleration, then uh, peak multiples are behind us in some way, and that's really bad. Um, but anyway, Felix, I wanted to transition over to you to ask the same question I did to Andrew, which is when you look at the different companies' That you're following really closely on a day-to-day basis. Can you give us some examples, like which ones are seeing like green shoots and things are getting better, and which ones are seeing like continued deceleration? It's slower. It's not succeeding, and that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah, that, that's a tough question for me in, right now in, in my space because, um, you know, it's difficult to kind of separate out what's going on fundamentally and what's going on with the regulations. And I think regulations already having an impact on the general economy. Um, There's also, you know, some concern about Evergrande contagion and the energy crisis. So there's a lot to think about when you're, you know, um, trying to figure out how it impacts companies in China I think generally speaking, we're in a uh, period of slowing down. Um, The holiday season, right now we just finished the national holidays, uh, which was a seven-day holiday weekend called Golden Week. And most people stayed at home because the government basically told them unless you have to travel, please don't travel because we're still trying to contain COVID. Um, Which led to probably, you know, less travel, less spending, um, offline. So for a player like JD, you know, I'm very worried about that one. Um, and what continue don't, don't like, like that one, but what does it mean for like, maybe online, it could potentially give a boost. Uh, we just don't know yet cause it is only, you know, um, one piece of the puzzle. The regulations are hurting big time, and you know, I'm not gonna go in more, more detail on that, but they are, basically if you think about it, a lot of these internet platforms have to change the way they do business. When you have to change the way you do business, that creates uncertainty, that creates uh, uh, basically higher compliance costs that you have to meet and so forth. So that's not going away. Um, but on the other hand you have crop policy support um potentially coming and then the US diplomacy technically speaking got better in the last couple of weeks so a lot of moving pieces um but generally speaking you know i wouldn't be surprised if china goes into a new normal of slower growth for the rest of this year and then particularly into next year as the regulations um uh gets rolled out, and people have to adjust, and the platforms have to adjust. Uh, That said, everybody already anticipates this. If you don't know that China's slowing, then you haven't been paying attention the last three three or four months. So, um, I think expectations are definitely already there and probably overblown, um, just because a lot of these companies, again, are down 50 to 85% or so. So, you know, you have to go back to the fundamentals and see if there's there's value there. So I know that's not a great answer to your question, but um, unfortunately in China, there's just too much to think about at this time to figure out uh, a lot of these, you know, to basically have a clear-cut answer on, on
0: how trends are going. Super. Yeah, that's helpful. I, I, I guess maybe just going, oh, that's a great macro summary, but, it's, but looking... Just for a little bit of specifics, when you're looking at the data for Golden Week, like the initial data coming out, is it like oh, TVs were terrible, notebooks were awesome, uh, uh, retail was depressed? Uh, what, what you know? What was what were like the data points coming out that were positive or negative from Golden Week? So movies did well um movies set another
2: new record over the past uh golden week there was a a very highly advertised patriotic movie uh one of the biggest growth in budgets in in history um that they debuted it over the national holidays It received uh you know really good attention and people went to go see it so the movie theater's got a boost um Again, offline channels probably struggled, uh, particularly for travel, uh, leisure demand, just because most people didn't travel. Um, So, you know, companies like footwear, sportswear, travel, leisure, probably got hit harder than most other sectors. Um, And then e-commerce probably benefited, I mean, but I'm, you know, I, I have to go through more data. There's no data that's reported by Golden Week um, that is, um, you know, more coming from the government other than the fact that spending is still not um, back to where 2019 was. So, you know, I I haven't gone through all the details on that, that shouldn't be surprising either, just because things are slowing down in China.
0: But hopefully, hopefully you know,
2: it. I shared a couple of nuggets here and there
0: on on the holiday. The um, when you said that ecom probably benefited, how was ecom doing in the like three months or four months going into Golden Week? Was it like getting worse? Was it getting better? Yeah.
2: So going to go to, uh, if you just take away what happened with July and August, July was slightly disappointing and August was really disappointing. Um, based on, you know, what my expectations, based on where Bloomberg experience are for e-commerce growth. And I blame most of that on, on two things, one regulation and then the second on, on, on disruptions. So we had a flood, uh, we had COVID popping up again in certain periods, which led to the closures of the, uh, of the cities and and the ports. So nobody likes disruptions. That hurts the small, you know, it it, it hurts everything, including the the supply chain and, and small medium enterprises. So, you know, I would say overall, generally speaking, e-commerce has been struggling as of late. Offline had, at least for last month, was even worse. So, um, you know, the retail numbers for September come out next week or, or the week after, actually. So that will be closely looked upon. But, um, you know, I think expectations are extremely low for retail figures. Um, or this past month just because of everything that's going on. And then don't look, you know, again, people are trying to figure out what's happening with Evergrande. And I keep, I mentioned Evergrande again, just because I don't think um, depending on how it plays out, it could have ramifications across the whole, uh, across different industries, not just property. Um, you know, housing prices account for housing value and housing pro- property account for a big portion of, of, of the citizens' net, uh, asset, uh, assets. So, if housing does turn for the worse, that's going to lead to less household spending in general, and that's going to impact re- retail sales as well. So,
0: everything is connected. Um yeah. So that's all I have to say on that. All right. So, okay. So now the next question is uh, for both of you. Um, so thank you for that update, by the way, so it's very uh, helpful. Basically, it sounds like August income was terrible, July, sorry, July was terrible, August was bad, but not as, as disappointing. Uh, don't have data yet for September, but uh, in theory, Golden Week could have been good for um, the... Um, e-commerce because people were basically told to save them. So that's kind of, that could be like an interesting little uh, ray of light, uh, but offline stuff still looks like it'll probably be terrible during golden week um, for the, that kind of like inversion. So let me ask, um, I want to take a step back for a second because markets have pulled back and such. I just want to ask, you know, now taking away, going, going back away from like three week data or six months of data and thinking about the next five years, so I'll ask the question to each of you. So Andrew, you first. Um, what if we thought, think about the next five years? What would what would if we were the you know you know Rings World and fast forward jump five years from now and we were looking back and being like, oh yeah, the last five year cycle really and then fill in the blank. I, either way, right, really sucked or really was amazing the question I'm asking is not to have you pick one of those two. It's more like if it sucked, what will we be highlighting as the three main drivers or two main drivers or main driver of it having sucked. And conversely, if it was awesome, what are the, what are the things in the setup that, that we could see even today that if we just five years from now, we might look back and be like, wow, those were awesome. And they drove like a really powerful growth cycle. Um, again, just focusing on your sector, not focusing on like quads or anything like that, but just thinking about those things from like a longer duration perspective if we just stretch out our imagination. And again, this is, you know, we're going to change our views on this kind of stuff, but like just stepping away from all of our stuff in the day-to-day and looking out five years, it, if, it, if it ends up being an amazing cycle, what are we going to say were like the three or four things that really drove that? And if it ends up being a terrible cycle... What, what do you think are the three or four things that are present today in our world that really end up driving that?
1: Yeah, uh, I'll go first. And I may have to go out five years, frankly, um, and think about the whole decade that i my really super-duper long-term hat-on. Um, I, I guess maybe in the next five years, something that's a little more tangible is CTV um, and the growth in connected TV advertising trends that we've seen. Um, and also just more interactivity within the TV itself with respect to advertising, uh, different types of ad formats, shopping, um, things like that. Um, you know, I think we're still early on and, you know, Netflix led the way, but I think we're still have a lot of ways to go in terms of the shift to streaming. And I think, you know, we're just getting started, um, with respect to, um, advertising there. Uh, And then, um, and then maybe like over that same duration, I think we're still really early, uh, with, uh, so I, so, so CTV and streaming is kind of the situation, like, uh, an advertising there. I think it's a situation of like, where we're like five years ago, we were at like adoption curve, like 2%, right. And now we're like probably at 10% and the next two or three years, we're going to like, we're in the fast part of that curve. And then we probably start to slow down like 25, 2025, middle part of the decade. Um, and then as far as, um, you know, other emerging trends, you know, interactive media, I think is really fascinating. Um, so gaming, um, AR, VR, a lot of areas, investment, potential for that to kind of go mainstream um, over the next, call it five years, As uh, uh, you know, we have, um proliferation of 5G, um, fiber, just better connectivity both up and down, that and also edge compute that just enables these other services uh, to get to scale and also allows developers to you know create applications that appeal to consumers. Um, and I think that's something that uh, is still pretty early. Obviously, Facebook has pretty large ambitions of virtual uh, with Oculus and um, reality labs. So <clears throat> I think that's something to watch out for, although that's probably much, much earlier uh, in the adoption curve. Uh, you know, we probably don't start to hockey stick there until a lot, the latter part of this, this decade. Um, but, you know, this concept of, is there going to be like this next generation computing platform that emerges over the next decade to kind of, I don't want to say circumvent uh, mobile, um, but maybe, um, as a complement to mobile uh, is a really fascinating concept that I've been thinking a lot about, um, especially given the dominance of Apple and, and Google, uh, both with iOS and the Android operating system. So that's something that could drive some interesting trends. You also have to think about data and what's everything that's going on in data. So data privacy, Apple pulling back with IDFA, Google deprecation of cookies. What does that mean for the rest of the industry? Um, does it result in the share of dollars shifting elsewhere? Does it lock in the big platforms, um, you know, iron grasp on the industry and share of wallet, or does it actually potentially catalyze an entire new category of, of um, you know, DSPs or other type of platforms, like for example, Walmart launching their own DSP with their first party data, you have something like a trade desk and the industry all working very aggressively towards creating a unified identifier to kind of supplement what's going to be a loss of signal on a very high degree, uh, assuming that, you know, cookies go away. Um, So there's a lot of interesting things there. I think on the net, that's probably more uh, value destructive than value creative. But within that concept, there's you know, whenever that happens, there's going to be winners and losers. So I think there's going to be some interesting alpha opportunities. Um, <clears throat> so I think, yeah, I think that's kind of the big the big driver. Look, I think the reality is like looking past, looking at the last decade, it's been, you know, the decade of mobile, it's been the decade of digital, right? I mean, just flashback to 2008, you know, iPhone was nothing. It, iPhone was a shadow... You know, th- it was nothing, right? And now it's mobile is everything. It's controlling a lot of ad spend. And so <clears throat> I think, you know, the next decade is going to be more about the potential for an emergence of a new type of content platform uh or other, you know, more advanced forms of media that can be built on top of the infrastructure that's already laid. Uh But as far as, like, a Google, a Facebook goes – I think it's clearly the best days are, you know, probably behind them in terms of growth rates. Um, and we have to start looking kind of like down funnel at like some of these more emerging platforms uh, that probably carry the torch here in terms of the next wave of both digital adoption and accelerating growth. But, you know, as with any kind of pivot here, you know, especially given that massive pull forward of Demand that we talked about, massive digital acceleration that we saw in last year, that seems very permanent, It's not kind of going back. Um, you know, it is it is a little bit less clear on what the path is going to be going forward. Um, you know, you also have to consider, like, you know, things that we just don't know that are going to come up. So I think, you know, watching the private sector, the VC sector, IPOs are going to be critical uh, because odds are that you know, the next big winner of this decade is probably one is probably a company that's getting started today. Um and that, you know, will go public in the next, you know, few years here as some of these other use cases that I referenced earlier or allude to rather uh kind of potentially get to scale. So that's uh and then oh and then in that's in media and then just quickly in telco like, you know, fiber, I mean it's it's not super sexy, but <laughs> you know, that's kind of the next wave here when it comes to technology, shifting from doxes and cable over to fiber. A lot of investments are being made there. Um, so that's uh, another area.
0: Uh, Andrew, you are really good at this. Uh, that was like, I actually feel like I could send uh, an entire unscripted, just kind of poking through these ideas. Um and asking questions. Um, uh, you ask your questions.
1: Yeah, I mean, I appreciate the questions. You know, it's, it's not always, you know, city, I think about this stuff a lot, like all the time, actually. Um, and it's hard to always get it out, right, whether in writing or verbally, um, especially when you're so hyper-focused on, like, the short-term, like, is this company's KPI going to be or miss? Like, what's the stock going to do? but it's refreshing to have someone thoughtful like yourself ask like bigger picture questions where I can kind of, you know, frame up those thoughts. It's, uh, it's quite refreshing and I'm going to have to go back and listen to this podcast and write down everything that I just said. So I don't forget it <laughs> 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 or yeah, I remember at least. But anyway, that's uh no, I've been taking
0: notes and highlighting. I can share my notes with you if you want. Um, it's really good. Um, so, Felix, I, I know we're long on minutes already, but, like, I kind of, I can't, I can't let us go before I ask you a similar question. If you think about the next five years cycle in China, or can maybe, if you prefer, as Andrew did, what are, like, the most positive things that could happen in your sector coverage areas of China? And what are, like, the most negative things that you would worry about over the next, five to ten years. You 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 see where we're going with that?
2: Yeah, uh, well, well, I think Andrew answered it fantastically well, so I, there's no way I'm able to top him uh, how to answer this question. But, I, you know, five years is a long time. On me, and uh, I'll try to be brief here because there's only one player in my mind that everybody has to pay attention to um, in China over the next five years. And that player is ByteDance. And the reason why I say ByteDance is because they have tentacles everywhere in many different ecosystems. And they're obviously the biggest disruptor in China in many ways. it's not just short videos. So for people who don't know who ByteDance is, ByteDance is the parent company of TikTok. Um, And they are also the parent company of, of Douyin, which is the China equivalent app of TikTok in China. But they're, you know, but they started in 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 short video, but basically expanded everywhere. E-commerce, they're going to be a disruptor there. Even education, they're starting some quality education courses. Um, Cloud, there they may have some aspirations there in the cloud uh, market. Also, short video versus social media, everybody is, you know battling for time uh from 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 the netizens in terms of how they spend their daily lives so whether do they do they do they spend more time messaging each other or do they spend more time watching videos so this is a constant battle uh that 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 a lot of the incumbent internet platforms have to have to go through and ByteDance is the biggest competitor there so that could be a different discussion, but in my mind, it's very simple. You have to worry about what ByteDance is going to do, where they are going to be positioned, what kind of new products they're going to introduce in each of the ecosystems. You can't discount them;
1: they're just too big to ignore.
2: Amazing. Can I just
1: can I just echo that really fast? Like I like I TikTok is both so exciting and also absolutely terrifying because. Like, there's no way that, at least in my space, I can get long TikTok, and I just see it as a massive threat to everybody in my space, uh from a share of engagement to a share of wallet. Uh It's, I just don't know what to do about it. <laughs> so, it's, uh I really wish, Felix, that we got that US IPO, like I know Microsoft, I think Walmart was almost about to, like, pull the trigger there last year, but... But yeah, it's, uh, that's yeah top of mind in my space, too. Yeah, I hope, I really
2: hope, uh, but it's very unlikely now with all these regulations. Um, it's probably going to be a Shanghai IPO, maybe a Hong Kong IPO. I hope they can go to Hong Kong because it's much more you know international market there, but mm-hmm. maybe it's only going to be a Shanghai IPO, which is not what ByteDance wants, but... We'll see. Hopefully, they go IPO. Right now, the yeah. they're very quiet because the government is knocking on their doors. So, better behave.
0: <laughs> That's amazing, um, Felix. Uh, and also, I love how unique the answer is that I asked the two of you guys the same question, and Andrew goes with it in one amazing direction, and you go with it in another amazing direction. Um, there's so much here. In this podcast that we did today, it's actually, I think it's one of the richest topics we've done. Uh, and by accident, look where we we, did, I, we didn't expect to get here. That's what Unscripted does. When we show up unscripted but with curiosity, uh, we come out with a lot of interesting thoughts and analysis, uh, or analysis that has to come out of these thoughts. But this is great. I really, I loved it. Um, I'm probably going to listen to this a couple more times. Um, I took copious notes the whole way. I appreciate both of you guys today. I know I put both of you on the hot seat. Didn't put myself on the hot seat. We could do that some other time, but um, this was this was fantastic. So, to everyone listening, thank you so much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And that's a wrap today on uh, the 17th episode of Unscripted Equity Curiosity. See you again soon. The preceding has been presented for informational purposes
1: only. None of the information contained herein constitutes an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security or investment vehicle, nor does it constitute an investment recommendation or legal tax accounting or investment advice by Hedgei or any of its employees, officers, agents, or guests. This information is presented without regard for individual investment preferences or risk parameters and is general, non tailored, non specific information. This content is based on information from sources believed to be reliable. Hedgei is not responsible for errors, inaccuracies, or omissions of information. The opinions and conclusions contained in this report are those of the individual expressing those opinions and conclusions, and are intended solely for the use of Hedgeye subscribers and the author- Authorized recipients of the content. All investments entail a certain degree of risk, and financial instrument prices can fluctuate based on several factors, including those not considered in the preparation of the content. Consult your financial professional before investing. The information contained herein is protected by United States and foreign copyright laws, and is intended solely for the use of its authorized recipient. Access must be provided directly by Hedgeye. Redistribution or republication is strictly prohibited. For more detail, please refer to the terms of service at hedgeye.com/terms-of-service.